welcome to the Week in Review podcast on our sourced podcast. Jordan McDonald, welcome. Hi, Michael. We're doing the Week in Review on Melbourne Cup Week. So I guess we should start with something about sports betting or betting in general, where we left off last week from yes. memory. Yes. Sort of a gambling time of year where mm-hmm. we discuss these things. But how's the week been? been not too bad. Not too bad. Had a, uh, a lonely start to the week with you uh, missing. <laughs> but um, it was all right. It was I all right. Was, I was in Melbourne. Where the weather was about the same as Brisbane temperature-wise, I must say. Yeah. It has been a bit cooler recently. We've had a very... Came back to Melbourne-like temperatures in mm. November here. So well, it's good to be back, though. Good. Um, and gambling responsibly. Of course, always. Because that's been a topic this week where we've had a fair bit of coverage about new taglines, I guess, if you like, for sports betting advertisements or any gambling advertisements, whether it be sport or, or any form of that, uh, under what's called the National Consumer Protection Framework. So the old gamble responsibly line. Mm will be replaced by a set of different taglines which betting companies must rotate so they can't just use one. But here are the taglines. I feel we need some sort of drum roll or scissor (laughs) type of thing. But um, instead of gamble responsibly, you will now hear chances are you're about to lose. Mm -hmm. Think, is this a bet you really want to place? Okay. What's gambling really costing you? Mm. What are you prepared to lose today? Set a deposit limit. Uh, Imagine what you could be buying instead. Yeah, right. You win some, you lose more. (laughs) What are you really gambling with? So they're the seven different taglines you're going to hear. Now, um, in terms of what we talk about, uh, I guess, uh, language fatigue here. So this is... Government tells us this has been um, done through detailed research. We spoke last week about a federal parliamentary inquiry into this and I guess we finished off last week by saying that um, it's up to the regulators here because sports uh, betting companies will just do what they can legally Um, and that's understandable. If the laws are there, they can play within those spaces. It's up to the regulators to look at this. This brings about a really important part of language which we have spoken about a lot on this podcast, and that is language fatigue. Okay, Mm. so um, we've spoken before in the terms of um, things like if it's flooded, forget it, which I I believe has hit the fatigue marker. Um, Obviously, Gamble Responsibly had a long time ago. Uh, We're seeing a lot now in the space of, um, you know, uh, health and safety is our uh, top priority or, you know, the, 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 the safety and well-being of our patrons is our highest priority, that type of thing. That I think that language is, is yeah. outdated as well. Yeah. It's just people hear things so often. Think about if you've got kids and you're telling your kids what to do or not uh, to do, they hear the same thing over and over again. They get language fatigue. So, look, I, I'm i not surprised that this is uh, happening. I think there are certainly other areas... Um, that need to have a look at this, particularly in the way that we talk about weather uh, and some other things. I don't uh, recommend what I'm seeing now. I saw a report on a um, a storm last week, which instead of describing um, large chunks of hail, described ice bombs. Yes. We discussed this in the office, didn't we? Yes, ice, ice bombs. So I, I don't think we need to go that far <laughs> because that's just plain ridiculous. Oh, isn't that nonsense? So, but I, I do think we need to look at these. Uh, whether these lines themselves will work in the gambling sector, mm. 
No. What are your thoughts? Look, I don't know if they'll work too much better, to be honest. I mean, the gamble responsibly, you know, I've never really really felt anything from that at all. Yeah. Um, it just feels pretty insincere. Just, it's almost like you have to have it there at the end of the, the ad anyway, just for for the sake of yeah. having it there. And that's the way it was always said that's too. It. Yeah. That's it. But um, I actually had a look online to see what people thought about these new taglines. And I'll, uh, I've got three highlights here. So the first of the highlights, um, a lot of comments I saw relate to the sports bet ambassador specifically, Nathan Brown. Some of the online punters were saying that they can't wait to witness uh, Nathan Spruick some amazing multi or incredible odds with this over-the-top enthusiasm and end it with, you win some, you lose more. Yeah, I can't imagine that. It's just a massive dip, isn't it? (laughs) It's pretty harsh. Yeah, that's right. That would turn me off a bit. Um, The second highlight, um, there's an article that the Sydney Morning Herald did and it showed that the chances are you're about to lose. That had the greatest impact on punters in terms of deterring them. Um, But one bloke online, a crusader almost, uh, he instead disagreed. He sees it like the classic scenario where um, someone's told you they don't think you can do something and it's become his now personal mission to prove them wrong. He said he goes on to say that the smugness he feels when he wins heightens the high, (laughs) but if he loses, then he's prepared for that eventuality because the low isn't as low. In the end, he said that he felt that what are you prepared to lose today had greater impact because it triggered some critical thinking. Yep. Uh, And the last of the highlights, and by far the most common response to the taglines I saw across socials, was the um, the deep rooted sort of distaste with the current tagline. You know, gamble responsibly. People referred to it often as the most disingenuous tagline ever, or utterly useless. Yeah. So, um, alongside a lot of these comments, most people said they'd prefer gambling as we just removed entirely. Yeah, I'm fascinated by where these will play. And I think you raise some good points, particularly when we're watching um, live sport and there are no ads allowed whistle to whistle. But um, if you've got a preview of a game, Mm. um, when it fits into the time that you can advertise, you're right. Uh, The way that the, the Spruikers get worked up saying gamble responsibly doesn't really have an impact and it's not really going to uh, whack you over the head. But you're right, if, if you're having to read out um, some of the new ones, as you say, you win some, you lose more. Yeah. Um, imagine what you could be buying instead. Um, so I'm interested to see how those ads play out. Probably the one you could say there without jarring too much if you were the advertiser is uh, think, is this a bet you really want to place? Mm. Now, um, I think a lot of punters would think that anyway, but yeah. not in the terms of not betting at all, but yeah. actually is this a smart bet or not a smart bet? I, I don't know. That would be the only one that you could see would would not be too jarring. The rest of them would probably, you know, chances are you're about to lose. Yeah. You know, uh, that that's not the image yeah. that sports bookmakers like to give. So let's see how it goes. Let's, uh, you know, let's let's give it a bit of time. But like we said last week... The regulators are trying to uh, control an industry that is set up for massive advertising. <laughs> it's an industry that needs scale. Um, as far as we understand, Ladbrokes, Sportsbet, 
and the TAB combined for 90% of the market. Mm-hmm. So therefore you have a whole bunch of players who are in that 10% bracket who need to get scale. How do you do it? You have to advertise and market your goods. So we've got the most fertile industry around. These regulators to be out in front if they want to do this. Let's have a chat about this again in 12 months and see where it's gone. Um, because I think it's a really interesting study into uh, to human behaviour. Oh, I think it's an interesting study too because, and I read a, the other report about this, and you know how you said they're doing this very detailed, extensive research to come up with these taglines. Um, the very first report I read said they surveyed just 30 uh, regular gamblers. Yes, okay. Yeah, I don't understand what the process is there, but in terms of how <coughs> thorough you can be from 30, I was curious by that. Yeah, and I'm interested about the ages you're right, like because the way that an impressionable, you know, maybe 18 year old mm. uh, man thinks is very different to say how a 50 year old woman thinks. And like the point you raised, almost daring them is not going to work. That's it. So we've got a bunch of different <coughs> solutions for a whole um, a whole gamut of ages and demographics. Mm. So let's see how it goes. But the and the regulators just have to realise that this is a really fertile market for advertising. For sure. So, um, for sure. and, you know, if, if it's legal advertising, you can't blame the sports betting companies for doing it. They're the lords and they'll do it. So let's see what happens. In terms of audience behaviour, another one which is interesting because we want to see how this works out is a change in music streaming pricing this week, Jordan. What has happened with music streaming costs? Yeah, right, well... To premise this, we've spoken pretty extensively about the price increases of video streaming and the ongoing squeeze uh, caused by inflation, but video isn't the only sort of streaming format that's gone through some change. Music streaming platforms have actually increased their prices as well. Um, And I want to explore that music category a bit more because I think you could argue that music streaming is considered a utility just as much as video would be. Yeah. Um, So last week, to, to premise it, Apple Music... Uh, in the US, raised its subscription price 10 to 10.99 per month for individuals, and the family plan went up two dollars to 16.99 a month, among other plan increases. Uh, in Australia, the new price for Apple Music went up a dollar to 12.99 a month. Um, in uh, for YouTube, uh, the price in the US for the family premium. Uh, that's gone up five dollars from seventeen wow. to twenty-two <coughs> wow. ninety-nine a month. Deezer, which is a smaller player but still a part of the top five, um, it's also raised its prices internationally. Um, for all these prices, Apple's are in place now, but YouTube's take effect April next year. But the big one missing is is Spotify. There, they had their earnings call last week, and that was in during that call they gave the first real clear sign that they're seriously considering their first ever increase in the price of the individual plan. Um, they just believe it makes sense to increase the price, particularly particularly when their competitors are also doing the same. Yep. Um, among their other plans, Spotify has made 46 different price increases globally. And the results were what they expected, if not better, in, in most places. So are we reaching a situation where we've hit a pricing threshold in music streaming because... At some point, in some time, you will hit a threshold. <laughs> At some point, we will. Are we there with music streaming? No, I don't think we are. I think um, I looked at a, a, a survey that a distribution and payments platform did. They're called STEM. 
and they did a survey on the willingness uh, among customers to pay more for their music subscriptions and the, result, the results show that they are willing. Um, it's because departing a music platform is perceived or apparently a bit more complicated because you've spent a lot more time building up that music library yep. over time. So losing that for the sake of a dollar or two, you're probably not going to do it. Um, the CEO of Spotify actually explained this quite well in a quote during that meeting last week. He said, when our competitors are increasing their prices, that's really good for us because, again, with our deep engagement that we have and the lowest churn of any competitor, we will likely fare better. So, yeah, look, each of these platforms, they have their points of difference. Apple's one is the lossless audio quality. Yep. And um, Spotify, they've really started to focus in and build up the podcasting side as well as yeah, the music. And for these platforms to want to raise prices further in the future, I think they're going to have to really enhance these points of difference because when it comes down to just the music, they offer the same thing, really. They really do. That's the interesting part. You mentioned utility. I'd agree with you. I don't see it as a threshold yet, pricing-wise, because we've discussed this before. Are these services seen as utilities? And they are. So if we keep talking about um, (coughs) electricity prices and going up and and gas prices, uh, the Reserve Bank put out a statement today which had some fairly grim warnings about electricity prices uh, in the coming um, year or so. but there's no real expectation that people won't use electricity. Mm-hmm. So while music streaming is around this price, it's considered a utility, I think, like I electricity reckon. and water. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to see a higher increase before we, we lose that uh, yep. utility status and it, and it won't be for now. But another one we've seen in this area is Netflix. We've discussed it a number of times, Jordan, and... We see that Netflix has now published a price of their ad-supported tier of Feb to stuff around today on social media. Yes. So what's happened with this? Yeah, so we've spoken about it heaps. I feel like we've always seen it from its birth to its its finality. Yeah, have, a lot of um, chats. So Netflix today released the proper pricing for their new ad-supported basic plan, which is going to start at six ninety nine per month, and that offers a standard definition yep. video quality. If you compare this to the other plans, so you've got basic plan without ads. Uh, it costs ten ninety nine. Again, that's standard definition. So you're saving $4 a month. Yeah, for, for no ads. Okay, it's very interesting. Yep. Um, then you've got your standard plan, which gives you high definition video. That's sixteen ninety nine a month. Yep. And then you've got the, uh, the top dog premium with 4K HDR video quality, if your TV can handle it, yep. by the way. Uh, that's at twenty two ninety nine per month. That sounds expensive. That twenty three bucks it? a month, doesn't it? You must really love your quality of your uh, image yeah. on your TV. Look, for me personally, I'm not paying the extra. What is that? Six bucks for four yep. K. If, if I've got HD already, it's enough. I'm not that yeah. particular. I don't think anyone's going to come around to your house and sit down and say, have you only got HD? Yeah. Because I noticed this is not 4K. Yeah, I didn't see the HDR. That yeah, sucks. I'm probably going to go now. Nah. Yeah, I, I didn't oh, realise you only had to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, it's, look, to see some of Netflix's stats will be very interesting here to see who oh, yeah. picks up that 6 99 a month rather than the $4 extra for something that, you know, 
we consider streaming a utility, but do we the, do we consider the individual providers mm. still utility? Because you can switch. You've got a service, you've got a service. It doesn't have to be Netflix. Give no, me something else. So uh, let's see what happens there. Like this week, we cannot finish without talking about... Um, we need Bloody some sort Elon. of sizzle for this. Some sort of uh, he's only so after he needs his own little some sting. They call it a sting. We need, yeah. we need Elon Musk and Twitter. <laughs> so Elon Musk is now in charge of Twitter. He is. He it is. seems like it's very eventful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elon's tweets made up seven <laughs> of the ten most popular tweets over the he past did. week. Yeah, his most popular coming on the day of purchase, October twenty eight, mm. when he said. The bird is freed. The bird is freed. 2.4 million likes, a total of nearly 3 million interactions. So what else have we missed, Jordan, in the last week on Elon Owns Twitter? Well, you haven't missed much because Elon just loves to tweet nonstop. He commentates pretty much everything he does in his life, including business. Um, But I've done a little dot point list here of everything he's done in this first week as the boss. So I'll just run through it. So he sacked the board of directors almost immediately and made himself the chief executive. Okay. So he uh, actually may end up in court over this one um, because he's allegedly avoiding avoiding paying the top executives their golden parachutes, right. which is you know a byproduct yes. of the nature of the whole transaction. Uh, next was Elon was pretty quick to assure the European Commission that moving forward, the platform will abide by the tough European rules on illegal online content, which falls under the Digital Services Act. Um, There was a, to the bird is freed tweet, the uh, European, uh, the EU's industry chief, Thierry Breton, um, he tweeted back saying, the bird will fly by our rules. Ooh, Thierry. (laughs) Yes. Coming uh, back. The that's, regulator. That's yes. what prompted Elon's reassurance there. Um, next, Elon seems to be doing this for the love of humanity, or so he says. He published a tweet to advertisers, and it was addressed to advertisers, his dear advertisers, uh, and it outlines his reasons for acquiring, acquiring Twitter. One of the quotes from the, I think it was three or four pages that he'd written out, he said, the reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try and help humanity, whom I love. That's where we need the uh, laughter, uh, the, the canned laughter. Oh, no, Imagine the, the <coughs> Twitter town square. There'd be, it would make the cantina scene from Star Wars look normal <laughs> with what you would see in a Twitter town square as such. It'd be bottles flying, people getting uh, stabbed. Actually, it'd be something like Game of Thrones, really, with people <laughs> having their, very well be Game of Thrones, their throats yeah. cut and no one uh, takes much notice. That's it. Um, the blue tick, and that's probably been the most circulated bit of news, at least from what I've seen this oh. week. Everywhere, blue tick. The blue tick has caused quite a stir. So there's a venture capitalist working with Elon. He put a tweet out that was a poll and it asked users how much they'd be willing to uh, to spend for the blue verification tick that has historically been used to verify higher profile accounts. Elon tweeted that the, the, verification, was, um, the verification process was being revamped and he put out some initial pricing about what he's going to charge and it was going to be around 20 bucks per month. Thankfully, 
uh, author Stephen King chimed in. He said, no, 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 no. I feel like you should be paying me, <laughs> not the other way around. But uh, You course. know why the blue ticks got so much publicity? Because lots of journalists have blue ticks. Of course. It's very important to their egos that they have a yeah. blue tick. Yeah, and I if there's one that. thing journalists don't like doing is paying for anything. Right. So if journalists who have the blue tick, which means a lot to them, are therefore then forced to pay for the blue tick... It's going to cause a lot of trouble, hence mm. I think one of the reasons we've seen so much discussion about the blue tick. Yeah, it's probably good. That's probably right. Um, and Twitter, very smartly, gave a blue tick to so many journalists, stacks. Some journalists who had less than 100 followers got a blue tick. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those yeah. in my dealings. So yeah. that's a status thing in, uh, in media land. It is. Elon yeah. got back, though, and said the bills need to be paid. How about eight bucks? <laughs> so just a Any bit. Any response? Uh, oh, I didn't follow the Fed much further. It wasn't, a, and no further response from Stephen, at least. Um, but to be honest, I reckon it'd be pretty foolish to charge your biggest users and maybe drive them off the platform. Yeah. Um, anyway, the other part uh, that he's done this week is he's disappointed all the Trump followers. On Wednesday, he said that all the banned accounts won't be looked at until there's a clear process in place for doing so. So this resulted in several of the big right-wing accounts just going to town denouncing all their support for Elon. Well, he probably smartly pushes that back behind the US midterm election so, uh, you know, as not to create too much angst before them, but I'd imagine he'd move fast on that. Yes. And lastly, layoffs. That's, uh, that's to be seen, really, to be continued, but it's expected that Elon will fire up to half of the 7,500 existing Twitter employees as he moves forward, and I just can't help to think how lousy it must be in that office at the moment. <laughs> Job security's out the window and Elon's filming videos with a sink in the front door. Yeah, that's right. And maybe your blue tick's gone too. Maybe your blue tick's gone. You These are dark days, dark days. Oh, look, um, what happens What happens in this area will be far more interesting than what happens in Twitter on any given day. You know my thoughts on Twitter. It's just a uh, cesspit of uh, mm. uh, trolling and uh, anger, etc. But I've said that many times. What we've got now, I think, is a really interesting battle here where Elon Musk has spent a lot of money, even by his standards, to acquire Twitter. Oh, yeah. And now he's got to find a way to get revenue out of it. Mm. Um, now, we've already seen some advertisers uh, come out and... Uh, threatened to pull their ads. Uh, L'Oreal's one of those yes. to come out and say maybe yeah, we're going to get out of here because we don't like what Twitter may become. Mm. Um, so that's where I think we'll see. Look, we say it all the time: young journalists know, or if they don't know, they should be taught follow the money mm. because that's normally the answer to most of your questions if you're trying to work out uh, human behaviour in a lot of ways. So right now, Elon Musk has got to find the money to make sure that this enormous investment, uh, which he seemed to have uh, buyer's remorse over there for some time, he did, didn't he? actually pays off for him. So he's got to find ways to uh, you know, get engagement going, make it a less uh, hostile place. I don't know how he does that because Twitter's become the Wild West and has stayed that way for too long. Yeah. They never stayed on top of it early in the, in the piece and it became this place where uh, anything went in terms of discussion. Uh, you know, and we know from experience working with clients, if we're trying to get Twitter to take some action about some stuff that is truly horrible, it just doesn't happen. No. Nah. It's, you, 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 sh you know, nah. you, you're really holding a flame to the wind. It's not going to work for you. 
So there's a lot of problems there, I think, in terms of how he gets this onto an even keel and tries to get revenue from it. And we know he's a very smart guy. We know um, he's made a lot of money in his time. Is this now Elon Musk's biggest challenge? Could very well be. It may be. We'll uh, watch it with fascination and talk about it on this because it's a real study in social media, uh, this whole Twitter thing and the way that people interact. A lot of very decent people have left Twitter, will never return to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and, um, you know, Elon's got a battle on his hands. But you've got a... You've got no battle on your hands because you've got some time off. No, I just got a battle with um, what drink to pick next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm off to Morton Island for my annual Morton trip. This will be my 27th year in a row. 27th? Yep. First one over when I was eight months and I've been on ever, every year since. Wow, that's a mm. great streak. It is a good streak. So there'll be yeah. no Week in Review podcast next week? No, not unless you want uh, some roughened version next week it'd be, uh, fine yeah it'd be pretty crackly a bit ordinary I reckon yeah not much happening well, over we could do the week in review on Morton for you could yeah but otherwise you'll bring something back for the week after yeah because like they oh. say with any trip you do you've got to bring something back to the office to discuss so there'll, there'll be something I'm sure in two weeks time we'll have uh, something to discuss I will I'm we'll sure enjoy will. the week thanks I will see you then see you then